to the Publisher Book Podcast, where we speak with authors from around the world to find out how they transform their dream into a published reality. Here's your host, Adam Ashton. Welcome back to the Publisher Book Podcast. My name is Adam Ashton. Today's episode is an interview with Connie Larkin, and she wrote an interesting book called You Asshole, You Caused It. Connie was born in Romania and ended up paying someone $1,000 to marry her, uh, in quotes, so that she could escape the country and went on to live in Israel. It was a really interesting story, actually, and it uh, leads to her going into the Amazon jungle and doing ayahuasca, and really, uh, I guess she calls it awakening. She talks about how most people today are asleep and are sleepwalking through life, and she tries to give uh, a few ideas as to how people can wake up. And just as a quick spoiler, I guess she says that the biggest tip for any aspiring authors is to just be authentic. She says you already know the stories yourself, so it's easy to put them down on paper. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Connie Larkin. So we've got uh, Connie Larkin on the line, the author of uh, You Asshole, You Caused It. So (laughs) Connie, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. And tell us a little bit uh, about the book. How did the book come about? Uh, well, in um, for, for about 34 years, I have been practicing or educating myself in a type of education it's, which is called ontological. Mm-hmm. It's a type of education that actually puts you in uh, action rather than, than uh, fill your head with all kinds of uh, concepts, other people's concepts and uh-huh. stuff. I, I'm a very pragmatic human being and I want to live now, not later. Nice. Therefore... Uh, I practiced this very much, and uh, one day in 2012, when I went to, to Peru and did ayahuasca, it all <laughs> fell together for me, uh, that I'm living for making a difference in the world. So uh, that's what I did. I, I wrote the book because the book was there, only that I didn't have a right finish for it. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to, uh, we'll definitely come to that story in Peru doing ayahuasca, that's for sure. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, let's just start off with uh, the early life. You were born uh, in Romania? Yes. Uh, but you escaped, is that right? Yes, yes, 1978, yes, I was 24. And um, something in me was completely, completely offended, you know, by, by the restrictions and the impositions on my own human dignity. You know, I, was, I felt... Um, I felt like I was um, violated in my rights of being. So I escaped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. And how, how did you go about that? It wasn't an easy thing, I'm, uh, I take it. No, no. It was dangerous and it was not easy. But, you know, when the universe wants to work, it, everything works for you. So uh, I, I met through a gypsy one night. I met uh, a boy, a Jewish boy, my age. I paid him $1,000 in 1978, a lot of money. Mm. And I got married with him because he was also Romanian. And I didn't declare that until he left for Israel, and then I went and declared that I was married and changed my name and left for Israel. That sounds crazy. <laughs> sounds wonderful. And as you said, you, you smuggled. You had twenty uh, US dollars that you smuggled out as well. That, that would have yes. been not bad if you had been caught with that. Oh, I would have been in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, why why Israel? Was there any reason, or just anywhere was better than Romania? 
actually I didn't uh, care about Israel then. I didn't know what Israel was, or, and I, I had nothing. I, I knew nothing about it. it. I would have gone anywhere. Yeah. So it's Israel because that boy was Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And what I what I liked is you said uh, you were asleep, I guess, for the first twenty eight years. When I say I like that, I don't mean I, I like that, that in that it was a good thing, but it was I like that you were able to recognize that. Well, you see, if we are lucky enough, we can recognize we are asleep in our lives. Wherever we have no results, it is a matter of being asleep. Mm. <laughs> we don't lack anything except awareness. Now, when you discover that you are asleep, you can wake up. If you don't, you sleep all your life. (laughs) (laughs) I like that a lot. So do you think a lot of people go through life just just sleeping? Uh, Just a few people wake up. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Well, we'll definitely get into how people can wake up because I think it comes a little bit more evident throughout the story. But I I feel like as well, you you seem to be living what you thought was uh, other people's definition of success and that you... You wanted to have this family and then you wanted to have a business because that's what you thought success was. Is that right? Well, uh, uh, well, in my experience of working with people for over 34 years, what I know is that we do not have any dreams of our own. Mm. I mean, working with people, I just realized that we all live, everybody, uh, our predes, predes, uh, you know, uh, our ancestors, you yep. know, yep. Uh, everybody else's dream. Yeah. Uh, and don't you, don't you think that everybody wants a family and business and money and independence and a yacht and uh, mistresses and cars? Don't you <laughs> think so? <laughs> Definitely. So, you know, they're not ours. They don't represent us as such. Yeah, absolutely. And is that, is that when we're asleep that that's what we want? And by you waking up, you realize that wasn't what you wanted? Is, am I getting that right? Well, listen, when I woke up in that course that evening, okay, mm-hmm. I realized that what moved me the most was to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. what, that was who I was most vibrating to. And working with people for so many years, I realized that after they sort out all their situations and all their dreams ticked, you know, ticked off, uh, what inspires them really is its a contribution, but they always postpone it. But you know, contribution and responsibility is the source of our passion. Aha. Uh-huh. Very nice. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, that course that you stumbled into? Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's a most extraordinary. It was a most extraordinary course and the technology is not lost. Uh, it exists all over our planet and it's a very controversial thing just because people have no capacity to understand it, okay? That, was, that course was uh, EST training, mm-hmm. the EST training of Warner Earhart. Mm-hmm. And how did you, uh, you didn't intend to go there, is that right, at the start of the night? Sure, you went... sure I didn't, I wouldn't have got there. Adam, I was so smart, nobody could have improved me. Yeah. Okay? Yes, so I was arrogant and self-sufficient and I knew better than anybody and I was bitter and, uh, you know, I was living a miserable life and pretending it was not so, you know, because I put on this mask of arrogance. Mm. I was a Christian in Israel, come on, I was 28 years old and I was a guide in Israel and I had all the privileged situation of money and freedom and all the stuff, you know, and I was so arrogant, but inside I was dead, mm. okay? So uh, life tricked me to get there. I went to have a coffee with a friend and he didn't show up and then because I felt so embarrassed being stood up, I followed the group, you know, <laughs> how crazy can that be? <laughs> and you, know, followed, you followed him in and you stumbled into this course. Uh, what? So you followed this what? group out and then you, uh, you ended up in the course. 
Yeah, and I stayed in the course. It was an evening session. It was a presentation of the course. And sitting there, I had my first uh, opening to this life, you know, but just listening to a, um, to a conversation which was so clean. Mm-hmm. No story, no bullshit, no, uh, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no belief in anything, nothing. It was yeah. just clean conversation. Nice, yeah. So that conversation put me aligned on me with what was I was I was thinking actually, and I didn't know I was thinking. Uh huh. Very nice. Very nice. It's and like looking yourself yourself in a mirror and with, without anybody's interference. Somebody took the curtains away, and you could see yourself mm-hmm. and see the truth about yourself. Mm-hmm. And what did it change in you that night? So it sounds like you already knew, but you didn't really know. Is that right? I knew what. As in, you, uh, you knew it was, it was inside of you, but you just never, never recognized oh, it. No, look. For instance, if you, if you, from your responses and from your questions and how you speak to me, I, I, I understand that you yourself are aware that it is inside of you. Mm-hmm. Your truthfulness. You don't know how to get to it. You're a good boy, and uh, you <laughs> educated yourself, and uh, you are handsome and stuff. But you also know <laughs> that you have something else inside you don't manifest. Definitely. Definitely not uh, yet. That's and, sure. and that thing that you don't manifest is absolutely is extraordinary, and you're sometimes you're bitter because you can't express that extraordinariness. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit for yes. sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, human beings all act, uh, act the same way all over the planet. You know, we have the same thing. I, I like to say to people that uh, um, an American car, a Japanese car, Australian car, or BMW or an English car, they all have the same thing: five gears, mm-hmm. one wheel rearview mirror, all of them said the same thing. So we are not different. Mm. We have the same things. Yeah. And I like that you said when you when you went to uh, Israel, you were initially not not scared, but uh, the, there were different people, I guess, until you realized that everyone's got two arms, two legs and one head and they weren't so scary after all. I was going nuts because of the fear of the unknown. So uh, I would tell myself the simplest and most, uh, you know, weird stuff. You know, I was mm. telling myself, listen, people have one head, two legs, and, uh, and two hands there. And, and if you die, you die in a ditch after a week. But so what? At least you die because you want to. Not yeah. somebody else. Yeah, no, not somebody else tells you to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yes. Yeah, so it was courageous. I, I was blessed, you know. I could have stayed here. I had everything, money and status and everything, but uh, my life was more important than the, the comforts of that life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so you, you've, you had this, uh, this realization this night uh, that there was more inside you that you wanted to do. I guess we sort of missed a little bit in the book. You said from about, there was about 20 years there where the book didn't cover. What happened in, in between that? You went to Italy, I- made some businesses... Oh, yes, I made money out of nothing. I got married to a man uh, that was not a bold Jewish man, you know, like in my book, you know, like I, my <laughs> expectation was, I mean, my, the level of what I was expecting was so lower that, uh, you know, the book. Uh, I got married to a man that looked incredibly beautiful, handsome, um, and uh, he was a manager of a five-star hotel, and uh, we met on the Nile, and then, you know, I, I had a beautiful life. I mean, I had a life that I could not imagine. Mm-hmm. Three kids. One born in Milan, one born in South Africa, one just dropped up here. I made money from everything. I wow. just touched everything and I got money. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. The concept that you need, uh, for instance, I used to have the concept that you need a capital to make a business. Mm-hmm. I realized in this course that you need nothing to make a business except for your intent and just go for it. Mm. So once I dropped that stuff, I made businesses out of nothing. <laughs> 
my husband was making in those times about a thousand five hundred dollars a month, and I made five thousand dollars in wow. one week. <laughs> like just saw the opportunity and took it. Yeah, for sure. Well, what, what were the, some of the um, what were some of the ways you made your money from nothing? What were some of the ideas you had? When when the head is not full anymore with uh, concepts of how to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. how to be uh, to do a business, all this stuff that you hear around, which mm-hmm. bogs your mind down, mm. you can see opportunities, and the opportunities are just there for you to see them. And then if you are healthy and you are willing to work, you just do the do the right things that they come from you. Every right action, every correct action that is authentic and has integrity and passion produces huge results. And we have those things. Very nice. I like it. That sounds, uh, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> we are extraordinary human beings that we don't know. I mean, the, 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 if there was any kind of, uh, what's his name, conspiracy at the level of the planet, the, mm-hmm. the conspiracy is that human beings do not know. They are huge. They're extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And they behave like beggars. Human beings all over this planet behave like beggars, and we are just extraordinary. So I found that, uh, I found that about, about that in the S training, and then I never stopped practicing. I didn't go to a course and my life opened up. I continued going there until I trained myself to go beyond my limitations every day. And luckily, that education now is uh, being um, uh, delivered all over the world by landmark education, which is that's nothing, not even reaching the height of that education. Mm-hmm. It's extraordinary, yeah. Mm. So human beings are extraordinary human beings. Yeah. Absolutely. Except too many of us are still asleep. Yes, unfortunately, but that's uh, my book. My book is a a hands-on kind of thing to wake up for those that can hear, you know. Um, And so what? If we wake up, it's fine. If we don't wake up, it's fine. After 1,000 years, who cares, you know? But it's better to wake up because it's much fun, much more fun. Yeah, I think you're right. It it definitely is uh, for people who want to hear because there are definitely some people who are never going to wake up, would you say? Oh, no, 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 yes, and they're not going to wake up, no. But that's okay. Yeah, and you mentioned that through the, uh, the training that there were some of the uh, beliefs, I guess, you had, you, some of the excuses, I guess, that people have that you need money and, or you said you didn't have enough time or what happens if it doesn't work. So they just, yes. uh, they're excuses that, that everyone has. How did you overcome those excuses? Oh, uh, well, you see, when you, are, when you want to be truthful to yourself, when you really don't want to lie to yourself anymore, Yes, you sit on the side and listen what's going on in your head, and you see the fallacy of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when uh, when somebody leads you to see with clarity what you have in your head, like happen, it happens in landmark education, yeah, or it happened in S. That's a real blessing. But mm-hmm. the condition is one: commitment to your own life beyond to see beyond your inauthenticities. Mm-hmm. looking good, avoiding looking bad, being smart, dominating, avoiding people thinking that you're stupid and ugly and not good enough and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's nothing. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's good. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and yeah, money from nothing sounds good as well. <laughs> I want to, uh, a quick gear change into a little bit about religion. So you were born uh, a Christian then you went to Israel, which is obviously very Jewish, but it sounds like throughout the book you had a lot of things about Hinduism bit of Buddhism, also Dianetics with Scientology. Oh, I can look at everything. 
thing, well, first of all, I love Casaneda, and uh, Don Juan is uh, my favorite character. I keep these books. I have nothing with religion. Religion is just a nice story. You know, if you want to pass uh, on uh, knowledge, you, you pass it on through, um, through stories. Mm-hmm. I think, actually, that extraterrestrials came here many, many thousands of years ago, and they left us some knowledge, and they put it in stories, in, in religion. I have nothing against religion. Religion was useful, um, but I, I belong to none. You know, I don't like stories, uh, uh, not living living in a story, but I don't like living in stories, no, no matter how saintly they are. Uh-huh. So you, I so you, stories. So you're open to everything, you like to read everything, maybe use some of the principles, but you don't stick to one specific religion, is that is that right? I only stick to the ones that I can generate myself and that make me, give me joy of life, clarity of mind and power and empowering people. That sounds, that definitely sounds like a good religion to me. Somebody in a course told me when I was uh, I was leading uh, I was I was a source person for Romania for landmark education, and I brought all these courses here and I sponsored the foundation with my money for six years and I did all my work and it was such a privilege. And one person told me once, I don't want to do any more courses. I said, why? Because she said, because I don't want to be uh, to become dependent on this. Okay, hooked on this. Uh-huh. And I just stopped, you know, to be hooked on being alive, man. I'm hooked on being alive, really. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> because I mean, it's my choice to be hooked on that, you know? Yeah, no, that's definitely a good thing to be hooked on. And you also said yeah. you've got a lot of symbols around your house. And you listed out here, you've got different statues and you've yes. got different books that remind you of things or uh, collections from places you've been. Yes. And what's the, what's the reasoning behind that, having all these things around your house? It is kind of a spontaneous thing. It's not because I should have them, mm-hmm. but whenever I look at my statue that I sneaked in my suitcase from uh, from Goa, you know, Krishna's, and I see his smile and his flute and his colorful clothes, I dance in the house. <laughs> nice, nice. So, so you have to have these things that, uh, like, they are called anchors in some courses. I don't know, but when I see this image, I remember that I should not be so so self important. Mm-hmm. I love that. Nice. And then when I'm full of, uh, sorry, I don't know if I can say that. When I'm, I feel I'm full of shit. I just look at Castaneda's and immediately go, get off it because I see Don Juan saying, cut the f- crap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely no censoring here, so feel free to unleash <laughs> unleash whatever you, whatever you truly feel, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, now that we've covered that, I'm, I'm really keen to hear about your uh, your journey to Peru. Yes, I got a I got a few pages in because I'd uh, heard of ayahuasca, but I never I didn't realize it was spelt uh, that way. But tell, mm-hmm. go, yeah, just tell us, tell us what happened in Peru. Well, you know, in that period after Israel and after you know uh, the period of time that it's not in the book, okay, mm-hmm. I have achieved all those successes. I became mm-hmm. uh, I, I had a family and three children, and uh, I had a business and a really great business. Uh, producing money, and then I, I brought landmark to Romania. So my dreams have been fulfilled. Okay, and and without me knowing, no, I took for granted those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, something happened that I lost the three, the three of them. Uh, they were all undermined in the most ferocious way. Mm. So uh, because I identified with my possessions and my dreams fulfilled with my name and labels, you know, the society was looking at me like somebody was really up on a pedestal, you know. Because I have lost all those things, uh, I realized I identified with them completely, and I lost myself in the way. I got sick, 
And I lived in the no man's land for many years mm. and no education helped me. And, um, and, and, and again, something miraculous happened. Somebody told me about ayahuasca. I didn't know what, much about it, but I found out. And I, I, did, I did my will before I went to Peru. So I wanted to go there and die, but not come back again the same way. Really? And, yeah, really. I mean, really. Yeah, it, <laughs> Jesus. So when I did, I did ayahuasca, it was the most miraculous thing that happened. And then I started to discover on the internet a lot of films, a lot of stories of all, all kinds of people from all over the planet using this. And the 60s mm. and the 70s, this guy, big, big shots you hear about, and they all took uh, drugs, LSD and this and that, experimenting. But ayahuasca is a medicinal plant. Mm. And what I asked for it from it was, to let me live my life beyond my concepts, mm-hmm. because I knew how it was to live like that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got, I got my life back. It was only four sessions, because I paid for seven, but I couldn't get take them all because it was ferocious with me. She, it was ferocious. I thought I was dying. Yeah, it sounded yeah. like you had a pretty um, a rough time all four times. Oh my God, but so enlightening. Yeah. <laughs> I like, and what I really liked at the end is you, I, it almost felt like you were, you were going over there, as you say, you want to come back a different person. And yes. I guess that happened, but not the way you expect it. You said that you realized that you didn't need anything external to be totally happy. So I think it, sound, it seems like you found that happiness, that joy within yourself, not from anything external. Oh my God! Yes, but we all have that, you know. Adam, I I, I lead courses and and I lead especially at the um, photo reading course, and I lead courses and I tell them about uh, Dalai Lama. I heard that he he said once when somebody asked him, "How come you're so happy, Your Holiness?" You know, his answer was, um, "It feels better." <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> okay, so we have the ability to instantly be however we want. Mm-hmm. Just concepts and the stories in our head say otherwise, and we don't. We listen to the stories, which are not even ours. Mm. But I, I, I got the ability to instantly be happy and joyful any moment in Peru. That's awesome. Where did these stories come? You said they're not our own stories. Where are they coming from? Telling us what? Stories. You said that the, these stories we're telling ourselves will be for whatever oh, reason oh, we can't yes. be happy. But when you go to when you go to the landmark forum, you are gonna have an odyssey in the universe because there you'll sit in the chair, and you'll discover all the stories where they come from and how they are. You know, they, you'll find out how the wheel of the car was made and how the tires were brought in and put there and what's the purpose. You see, the stories come from something in us that needs survival. All human beings mm-hmm. want survival, but survival is not living life. It's just survival. Mm. You survive the body, you survive your identity, you survive your stories, whatever. But that is not life. And we mix with, uh, we, we, we mistake survival for life, and it's not. Mm. So I found out that in Landmark, and then I discovered it again and again and again and again in anybody who had something to say in this world, Osho and Castaneda, and Werner Erhard, and Alan Watts, and Bhagavad Gita, which is my most favorite book. And I can identify between people who are full of shit and authentic people. Uh-huh. For sure. Because, For sure. because of Landmark first, initially because of that. But after that, I kept working with myself, and I refined that understanding. Yeah, nice. Nice. And this is a quote from, uh, from Werner uh, that you include in the book, you and I possess at any moment of our lives, under all circumstances, yes. the power to transform the quality of our lives. 
Isn't that wonderful? Oh my God, it's so beautiful when I hear that. It is wonderful. It's you as, like it, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, there's nothing external we need. We've all got it. We all possess those uh, under any circumstances, yes. any time. Yes. I love it. I, I, I know that. I know that. I know it in my, in my experience, but at the same time, I know it in the people that I worked with for all these years. Yeah, in absolutely. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a, a few other things I want to talk about as well. Is um, You talk about uh, blame. So blaming someone else. You know, blaming other people. Uh, people seem to always be looking for someone to blame. I guess you said no one wants to be responsible to oneself. Uh, why, are we, why are we blaming everyone else? Uh, because we are asleep. That's a sign of mm. being asleep. Mm. Yeah. When you hear somebody blaming the weather for their mood, blaming uh, the co- the politicians for for the situation of the country, uh, that's a very uh, sick person mm. for me. I don't say in general, but for me, in my opinion, that's a sick person. You can't speak with them because they don't have very long ways, you know. They can't perceive much. They live a very small life. Um, Because, you see, even when you say, I'm not responsible, you are responsible for saying you're not responsible. Mm -hmm. That's suicide. Mm. When I'm not responsible for my life, I can't make a difference in my life. Therefore, I spend it all until I go to grave, blaming my mother, my father, my past, Mm. my country, my blah, blah, blah. Mm. that's death death being not responsible is death yes yeah absolutely and you say everyone's uh, tied into that uh, the victims everyone's everyone's a victim Uh, the Uh, victim mentality yeah uh, yes, everybody does have it and and, and we all have that Uh, uh, when you become aware of that you can you can stop going there Mm. Uh, you can stop going there it comes but I, I don't go there Whenever I go there, I suffer. Why would I suffer? Yeah. You know, I made a choice to be alive. Mm, definitely. Okay. And that's a good Buddhist principle as well, isn't it? Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. You don't. You choose not to suffer. Oh, my God, yes. I saw that in Ayahuasca very much, yes. Yeah? Yeah, nice. Yes, yes, yes. You didn't read, yeah. You just said that you didn't read all of the chapter. But I discovered that uh, suffering is pretty disgusting. Yeah, no, suffering is no good, that's for sure. I liked as well you said that um, people are deaf and blind, ontologically speaking, uh, yes. and we're asleep, but sometimes you said that we need these, uh, perhaps we need tragic incidents or these painful experiences, maybe they're necessary to, to drag us out from being stuck. Yeah, that, that uh, we get that in life. Uh, like me, I got three kicks, you know, or like almost destroyed me, but uh, I, I could remake myself with the help of Ayahuasca, I get, got out. Hmm. But uh, people can go on to the end, you know, suffering, uh, going, going a miserable, bl- deaf and blind life. And sometimes you get those pains so that we can wake up. Hmm. Sometimes you... Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I suppose it's you turning that... Uh, some people might see it as a ne- negative experience, but you've seen these tragedies as as a way of kick-starting you, I guess, bringing you back. Is that right? You know what? Because I discovered that my three falls were my my greatest blessings. Whenever happens today in my daily life, something which I uh, I put a label on, like being unwanted or, or I don't like or it makes me suffering, I remind myself that what appears to be negative or bad, it's a blessing in disguise. And immediately I relax and embrace life, whatever it is. Awesome. There is, there is no bad thing and good thing. It's just life happening, yep. and we put 
suffers and we suffer in accordance with our labels. What's the point? Yeah. Love it. I love it. I want to uh, shift towards Adam, the... Uh... Adam, you keep saying you love it. And I, listen, I love that you say you love it. And I'm really... I know that it's not a way of speaking. I just... I, I, I can see you love it. Okay, yeah. So it's great. Absolutely. I'm, yeah, there's definitely some serious nuggets of gold in here for sure. I want to, yeah. I, I want to quickly shift gears to, uh, I guess, the photo reading. You said you yeah. read 6,000 pages in 20 minutes. Is that right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That seems just beyond belief. Tell me about that. Uh, uh, well, photo reading is based on a function of our brain. You know, we learn from the moment we, we, we were born, we learn by photographing mentally. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. actually, if you, if you move the pages very quickly of a, a book, you're looking at the book in a certain way using your peripheral vision. Actually, you download the book in your, in your mind, in unconscious mind. You, you download it. And then through a technique, you get it out of there. In one hour, you get more information from a book than you would get uh, a reading in 10 hours. Mm. And you, got, you, get, you get the essence of that book of, uh, at last you for a long time. And uh, you enjoy it and you love it. Yeah, photo reading, it's uh, definitely something we, it's amazing, of course. And not only that, but when you photo read, you create new neural connections. Every time you photo read a book, four minutes, five minutes, you just create new connections. You keep your brain alive and young. That sounds crazy. Are you reading it once, or so you're flicking through the whole book? You do one one pass over. You say it'll take you four or five minutes. Okay. Photo reading has two applications. Photo reading has it's called actually the uh, um, the whole mind system. Okay, uh, it needs it has five steps. Now, to get the information out from uh, after I photo read a book, you have to work with the book manually. You use the book in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, you can activate the information, not necessarily manual when you need it right then and, then and there, but you can uh, let the activation to be happening spontaneously, yeah? Mm-hmm. Therefore, you don't expect the information to come right then and there, mm-hmm. yeah? For instance, I have an exam, a huge exam, a big exam, important exam, and before, and I thought read all the manuals the night before, yeah? Well... It can happen the next day in the exam to have the right answers, and I don't know how I got to them. But you can, can't count on that because you can't force it, and you can't uh, you can't oblige it to do that. You know. But uh, so what I'm doing when I photo read six thousand pages a day, I don't do it to get the knowledge out of the information out of the book. I do it for spontaneous activation. So my books, the books that I chose to photo read, because they're books I love. It's Bhagavad Gita and Castaneda and Alan Watts and stuff like that. Therefore, my life is uh, very much empowered spontaneously by the information in those books. For sure. Is it a, it, it sounds beyond belief. Is it a, how hard is it to learn to photo read? Is it a long process? It takes about four or five hours. And then I need the course of two, hour, two days. In the first four or five, they learn the, the technique, and then it's just practice. Yeah. But, but uh, put together with my training in ontological education and the technique of photo reading does miracles for people, really. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's a good segue. So what do you do these days? What do you do day to day, or what, what are you working on at the moment? Well... I'm creating an Indian village in my my house outside Bucharest. I mean, wow. I'm I'm painting stuff in the, I, I'm making a hut, mud hut, and stuff like that. I I play a lot. Uh, I'm leading the courses. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, promoting my book so that I can 
make my country take responsibility for whatever is going on so that from Romania it spreads all over the planet mm-hmm. uh, instantly. Mm-hmm. I wrote to the Pope and I wrote to Dalai Lama. Yeah. And I told them that I want them to be my partners to have this new you know, ethics on the planet instantaneously. Because changing one simple conversation from being a victim to being one of responsibility, like why not me, that can shift the awareness of humanity mm. in one instant. It's enough that it is said enough by people who people have listening to, and we can change the world changing one conversation. Amazing. So I'm having a lot of fun, actually. That does sound like a lot of fun. Did you hear back from, from the Pope or the Dalai Lama? Oh, I just got the confirmation from the Pope, uh, and I don't know yet about Dalai Lama. But you know what? I have no expectations, yeah. and I let my possibility be there, you know. There's not, nothing but, to lose, absolutely. Nah, nothing, sure to not. lo- nothing to lose, everything to gain. Don't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I want to ask you about the book as well. How did you go about writing the book? What was the process like? Well, after the ayahuasca, it was very clear. Uh, uh, one day I was invited by someone um, who was uh, to a course where they were presenting how to write a book. So I saw... I, I saw it doable. So I just mm-hmm. started doing it, right? I, I, it took me one month to write the book. One month? But, uh, That's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. And it was lazy because, you know, it was already there. Uh-huh. Uh, but then it took me a long, a long time to correct and read and reread and correct and whatever. Sure, sure. Uh, that sounds really quick, actually. What was, uh, was there anything hard or what was easy about writing a book or what worked, what didn't work? Well, you see, in my book, it's only my experience. Yeah. And if I, uh, if I was a leader uh, in landmark education, yes, and I was, source person for landmark in Romania, yeah. well, my experiences shared to make a point in people's lives, it was said thousands and thousands and thousands of times. All I did was put it down in writing. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And that's, uh, that's a good way to do it. You already knew, you already knew the story, <laughs> so yeah. But it's not the story as such, it's my experience, shared. And that's a very, very important distinction. Adam, there are two ways of communicating. One is to say a story about something, and one is to share something. Mm-hmm. They're two different things. I mean, while you can listen to somebody saying something about something uh, for a while, and then you go to sleep, uh, when it's about a share, you're sitting on the edge of the chair, listening to, and what's the point of this, and how can I get something out of this, you know? Do you recognize that stuff when yeah, somebody yeah. shares and one still says a story? Absolutely. I mean, who cares about stories? Yeah. After all, you don't listen to them anymore. <laughs> yeah. All I share in my book is something that makes a point, leads yeah. somewhere. I don't talk for the sake of talking. It's dishonoring for me to talk for the sake of talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's. Uh, is there any other tips you give if, if if someone's looking to write a book? Any uh, any number one tip? Yeah, be authentic. Yep, awesome. Easy. (laughs) You can only choose to write a book if you're authentic. If you're not authentic and you don't know why, what benefit will people get from that book, you know. But you know what? People are different and different intellects need different things. Mm -hmm. My book is not going to be listened by or read by everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, not, I don't read all the books also. I I choose only some people like uh, that read, wrote books that I read about. Yeah. Well, what are, what are some of your favorite books and book, good book recommendations for the audience? Okay. Um, uh, okay. Uh, you know, I love Zen Buddhism. Uh-huh. Alan Watts. But it took me a while to understand that. I, what I suggest people do to wake up, if they want to wake up authentically, 
go and do the landmark forum wherever there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is something that has to be done. When you are in charge of your own brains, because you are what to that, you you can read a lot of stuff and that stuff will make a difference for you. So I, I would suggest Alan Watts. Mm-hmm. I would suggest Dananda Sarasvati, Home Study of Bhagavad Gita. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, definitely assisting in the Landmark Forum and courses there are, did the trick for me. Um, what are the books? Carlos Casaneda. Difficult, but it's nice. So um, what else? Zen books. Zen books. Yep. <laughs> but that's what I like, you know. They're not for everybody. That's a good good starting list. And I guess just by way of uh, wrapping it up, where can people find out more about you, about the photo reading, about the Landmark courses? Well, well, if you want to do a, landmark, a photo reading course in Australia, I come there. Oh, nice. You can know. <laughs> I could I would come. Um, um, about me, well, I have a site, ConnieLarkin.com. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I write there, it's obviously in English, and I write there about the photo reading time master, whatever courses I do, coaching, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I have an association which is called Why Not Me? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have it translated already. But I hope my book sells everywhere in Australia and have it be the first country in the world that assumes responsibility individually. Mm-hmm. Everybody. What do yeah. you think? Everyone needs to assume responsibility, that's for sure. Yeah. How, and how can they find... What's the best way to find the book as well? Well, it's on Amazon uh, on, uh, on Amazon and Kindle. Yep, easy. On Kindle, Kindle, yes, easy. Yeah, Fantastic. Is there anything else uh, you wanted to, to deliver just before we wrap up? Yeah, I love Australia. I love the <laughs> Me <spirit. too. laughs> It's a mixture of some of, our, of the people coming from Europe and I think they're bold and I think they're bright and I think uh, they can make a difference in the world with their character, with their way of being. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Connie, so- thank you very much. Uh, definitely enjoy the read. Definitely enjoy the conversation. And uh, yeah, let's uh, ho- hope more people assume that individual responsibility. Yes. Thank you, Adam. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Fantastic. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Publisher Book Podcast. We hope you learned something along the way. For more interviews with authors from around the world, subscribe to the podcast or visit publisherbookpodcast.com.